I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. This interview is conducted at Turnip Rock Farm in Amory, Wisconsin. Turnip Rock is a highly diversified CSA farm, which also includes a 100% grass-fed dairy and now the brand new Cosmic Wheel Creamery. I sat across the table from Rima Hoffpower, a Wisconsin licensed cheesemaker. She and her husband, Josh Bryerson, operate this very diverse farm. Josh and I um, have Turnip Rock Farm. Uh, We have a CSA um, with 250 members, and um, we are trying to be as diverse as possible and want to move to a whole diet CSA. Mm. So um, we raise animals. We we have uh, eggs, uh, chickens with for eggs. We have um, pigs. We have sheep, we have uh, veal calves, um, pigs, mm-hmm. and milk cows, um, and about 10 acres of vegetables. So, now, how long have you and Josh been farming? Um, 2008 was our first season with our own farm, but before that, um, we had worked on other farms, and uh, Josh had managed a, a fairly large CSA as well. So. Wow. Because you're a very young couple, but you come to this area <laughs> and to um, this whole idea of the holistic and, and full diet with a lot of experience behind you. Okay, so you've got all kinds of livestock. You've got acres in fruits and vegetables that you are part of your CSA. Now, mm-hmm. meat is also part of your CSA, and are the eggs? Um, the eggs and meat are... Uh, and the cheese for some of our members, it's a, so the, the meat, eggs, and cheese are optional add-ons to the regular share. Wow. (laughs) Now, just this year, you opened up your own creamery, Mm -hmm. a fully licensed, totally certified uh, creamery. Why this move? to cheese making. I mean, what was behind that? Well, we started that um it's been a really long road. Um we started 5 years ago with our um we got a milk cow named Carl. <laughs> of course. Okay. <laughs> who lived in our greenhouse during the winter and we would go out and milk Carl and mm. um this was before um, our children were born, and so um, we just had all this time and milk and just thought, oh, it's the winter, let's make some cheese, you know. So did some home cheese making, and, you know, you have to wait a few months before it's ready, and by the time it was ready, um, 
we tried it and we really loved it mm-hmm. and kind of just started talking more about like oh well you know maybe we should see about what's involved in this mm-hmm. and and then a friend had a couple of cows grass-based dairy cows really beautiful that he needed to sell and so we bought his cows and then those cows calved <laughs> meanwhile I started taking the courses to become a cheesemaker a licensed cheesemaker in Wisconsin now Wisconsin is the only state in the United States that requires licensing yeah to be a cheesemaker yes. <laughs> so you took that on how how rigorous a course is that um that involves I can't remember if it was five or seven um, courses through the University of Wisconsin system. And then um, they're mostly on sanitation and um, pasteurization. And and there's also a cheese-making short course. Um, And then you also have to complete 240 hours of apprenticeship with a licensed cheesemaker and so I was able to do that. That was really difficult to find a place where that would accept me to to come and help them make cheese. You know, so you say that it's hard to be accepted. I think about the time commitment that it requires when you're already running <laughs> a 200 member CSA. Yeah. Ah, I did good. those hours during the winter. Oh my! <laughs> those were God. during the winter. <laughs> and, and in all of this, then you also had two children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Otto is how old now? He's um, going to be five uh, in a, next month. Yeah. And Sadie is. She'll be two in November. My gosh! All right. So there was the coursework mm-hmm. that you needed to complete. And the internship that you had to accumulate 240 hours for. That's right. Um, so there, there's that knowledge portion of it. But in order to have a creamery, you've got to have the, your cow operation, and then you've mm-hmm. got to have the infrastructure. Right. What was it like to develop that? We tried to go and see other creameries, but we're pretty different in that we want to be small. So, I mean, we, we're we only milking 10 cows right now, and I think the most that our land base um, could support would be probably around 20 cows would be max. How many acres do you have? Um, we have, well, it's 80 acres total, mm-hmm. but... Um, we have about 15 acres of pasture, mm-hmm. and then there's um, about the same on the south 40 that um, has our vegetable fields, and okay. we've take some of those out of vegetable production and um, cover crop them and allow the cows to graze those cover crops. Wow. So, Okay, so it's you and Josh. How do you manage all of this work? Do you have other people that are helping you as employees or interns? That's right. We have uh, five people full-time for the growing season. This season, we're really fortunate to have um, Ben as our livestock manager. So he pretty much takes care of all the livestock and decides. I mean, he's set up the rotational grazing plan on the farm this season. He's um, 
decided where to put fencing and things mm. like that. Boy, so that's really important. Yeah, and it's been just so helpful because Josh really has to manage the vegetable growing, <laughs> which is hugely labor-intensive. <laughs> Why your commitment to sustainable practice? Well, I think that with the commitment to sustainability just is um, inherent in our values. It's just our value system. We just, I think both of us have um, come from a place of, I grew up in South Louisiana. um, I saw a lot of, um, there's a, a lot of chemical plants there. I actually grew up just a few blocks away from a Monsanto plant where they, you know, they make the, <laughs> they do all their work there. So um, it's it just was really real for mm-hmm. what I saw growing up. And it, it wasn't something that I wanted to continue or support. And I think just learning more about our food system, um, we felt that we could have a real impact working through that through the food system and just trying to change our little bit of land and the people that eat our food and try to help out that way as much as we can (laughs) well i've certainly sampled your cheeses in fact as we've been talking (laughs) i've had the luxury of being able to nibble while you've been speaking can you tell us what did it take to build the infrastructure that you've got? Because oh, you sure. have not just a dairy, which is the cows and milking the cows, but the place to make the cheese itself. Mm-hmm. What did that take? It took a lot of planning. Um, it took a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it took a lot of time. I mean, it just... it, And it took a lot of um, working with our inspectors... We have, you know, there's different inspectors for the dairy portion. Uh, we have different inspectors. So the the dairy, uh, the actual milking of the cows has its own inspections. And then the cheese making plant has its own inspections. And then um, we also have to be um, licensed as a, a screening lab for drug residue, even though we don't give our cows antibiotics it's just part of the um part of the rules so there's a lot of regulation that goes into the operation of it but when you take a look at that creamery what kind of equipment is in a creamery well in our creamery it's really bare bones we have a three bottom sink we have a pneumatic press that holds um 12 wheels it's small so that that actually presses the milk from the well that would um that would press the curd after the milk is cooked and everything so that's the last step is okay. the press um and we have a vat pasteurizer um and that has the option of pasteurizing the milk in the cheese vat itself mm-hmm. so uh. I don't have to pasteurize, and with my aged cheeses, I don't pasteurize the milk, but I do pasteurize it for anything that's going to be under 60 days is the um, minimum. And actually, my cheeses aren't 
the flavor doesn't develop usually until about three months, so I usually age for at least 90 days. Okay, so why don't you walk us through the process? Sure. You have <laughs> Jersey cows. That's right. Right, and why did you guys choose Jerseys? Um, we chose Jerseys because I really like cream <laughs> and I like fatty milk. <laughs> and I'm for that. <laughs> and they're smaller, so they mm. eat less. Mm. Um, but the, the milk is actually really wonderful for cheese making as well. It's, it has higher protein and, um, higher fat. So that's going to lend you a better yield mm. than say a Holstein's milk, which has a lot more volume, but the components that you need to make the cheese aren't, aren't there as concentrated, I guess you'd right. say. So you said you're milking 10 cows, so you've got the milk. Mm -hmm. All right. What's the next step? Um, so the next step is we, um, we pump the milk mm -hmm. through, um, we have a hose that, and a pump that pumps it over into the cheese vat. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a sample of the milk, so mm -hmm. I run the test for antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> just to be sure nothing happened. Um, and, uh, and we also have to bring in, uh, milk for testing for bacteria, um, cell counts and things like that. But that's a once a month test. Um, so I take my samples, I start the tests. I, um, then start to heat up the milk. Mm. So it arrives at, um, between 35 and 40 degrees, um, and then I warm it up to usually around 80 to 90. Mm -hmm. Um, then I add our cultures. So those are, it's a freeze dried, um, cultures that, um, thrive in a certain temperature. Mm -hmm. So there's really only, you know, you have your mesophilic, which like body temperature and your thermophilic, which like warmer temperatures and by warmer the milk is never heated over 120, mm. you know, so they're still pretty low temps. But um, I add that. I allow the milk to ripen. Um, and then I add the rennet, mm -hmm. which causes the coagulation to happen. So then you have a whole mass of, it's kind of like um, jello, mm. milk jello is mm -hmm. what it looks like. And then I cut the curd into... Um, pieces w that are usually about a centimeter square mm. is the size that you want. Um, I have special knives that do that, um, that help me do that because everything's done by hand. But, um, and then um, it's slowly stirred and warmed up, mm. and then that the whey separates from the curd, so it looks like little, little, um, the little pieces of curd are just floating around in all this liquid, which is the way. Which is a kind of a... It's like a... Thin, milky kind of thing. Mm-hmm, but it's it's usually kind of a green or yellow color. Mm. Um, and this is an aside now, but you feed the way to your... Pigs, yeah. So, we, <laughs> so when it's time to drain, we... we um, pump the whey out into mm -hmm. a barrel that goes to feed the pigs and they love it and yes, they grow they really fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, 
Uh, so when the when the whey is all drained out, I have just the curds, which are then put into cheese molds and pressed, and that's cheese making. And, and then, then aging. Aging them, <laughs> right. right. So you age them. And for those who've just joined the show, we're speaking this morning, or actually we spoke last night, <laughs> with Rayma Hoffpower, who is the cheesemaker, a licensed certified cheesemaker at Cosmic Wheel Creamery right here in Amory, Wisconsin. A brand new creamery here. Um, so this is called Farmstead Cheese because you're using the milk from your own cows, right? That's right, yeah. So what kind of cheeses do you make? Well, I'm, right now I'm still developing recipes, and so I'm kind of trying a little bit of everything. Um, so I'm making a cow's milk manchego, and that's one that we've mm. really liked. That's that one there. Yes. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, so I think that'll definitely be in our usual rotation. Um, and I make a cheese that's a tome, which mm. is um, kind of just a generic word for cheese in uh, France mostly, but also in Italy. It's usually followed by a place name, so tome de wherever, you ah. know, and then that's a, that's so ours could be like tome de Amory. <laughs> you know? All right. But um talk about terroir, huh? Yeah, exactly. Um and um I'm making a alpine style, so a kind of like a gruyere mm. type cheese um that we're Ooh. calling Circle of the Sun and that's Ooh. one that I really like. Um so those are those are a few I've I've kind of tried out making some gouda it's okay mm -hmm. it's not my favorite to make you okay. there's a step where you um, drain out some of the whey and add in water it's, that's called washing the curd mm -hmm. um, and I could take it or leave it uh, but. <laughs> okay um, so how long do you age your cheeses those the aged cheeses um, well, they, it really depends on um, the type of cheese and what you're going for and the mm -hmm. flavor. Um, and a lot of the cheeses um, take longer. They get better with age. Mm. Um, so the um, Gruyere type, for example, really doesn't taste like too great until around five or six months it mm. starts to get better and then it just gets better and better as it ages so um that one has and um, that one's a minimum of five months um but preferably longer and then the the tome is usually aged between three three to five months i think is is about what you want for that one mm. and the um the cow's milk manchego actually is tasting pretty good at three months so um it it varies from cheese to cheese and i have a little tool called a cheese trier that you stick into the wheel it's like a curved slender knife looks like mm. and you can stick it into the wheel and turn it and pull it out and you get a little tube uh -huh. and you can taste the cheese um without cutting the whole wheel so how how much do your wheels weigh um, I'm making wheels that are between 
I have some that are um, four pounds, some that are six pounds, and some that are ten pounds. Mm. These cheeses are delicious. Thank you. I've got to tell you, this is like <laughs> so good. Manchego is a, is a real favorite of mine. And uh, this is particularly, particularly good. You know, one of the things I've noticed about the cheeses that are on the plate that you prepared for us is that they're very yellow. Right, and that's because our cows are 100% grass-fed. They're not... Right now, there's a, a lot of, you know, uh, as you know with selling your beef, there's... Um, a lot of people kind of saying, oh, this is pasture-raised or grass-fed, but there's a big difference between pasture-raised, grass-fed, and 100% grass-fed. Um, so that really comes through in the colors and the flavors. Because that would change with the seasons, I would think. Yeah, it absolutely does. Like this manchego is, um, when, was made when the cows were grazing on a rye cover crop that we had. So I make notes every time I make cheese. I try to, you know, have a glass of the milk and make notes about where the cows were grazing and um, what the milk tasted like and anything going on that <laughs> seemed noteworthy, lots of rain or dry or anything right. like that because it really does change. Now your creamery is called Cosmic Wheel Creamery. Mm -hmm. And it's right here in Amory, Wisconsin. Um, and you're going through just your first few months right now. Yeah, we're just just kind of really getting started. Is How are you selling your cheese? Um, we have 70 cheese shares through the CSA. Okay. So that's 70 of our members are getting cheese each week. And then um, we are going to the Linden Hills Farmer's Market. On that's, Sunday mornings. And that's in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And then um, also um, we're just starting to bring some samples around to restaurants and cheese shops. And the Wedge and Wheel in Stillwater has gotten some cheese from us. And that that's really great. So, Well, I'll tell you, it was a lot of fun. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a restaurant in Minneapolis called Gist. Uh huh. And it's a restaurant that specializes in all fermented foods. It is a marvelous, right. really great restaurant with <laughs> such knowledgeable people yeah. behind the counter. So you have everything there fermented. You've got beer and wine and cider, sourdough breads, fermented pickles, cheeses and chocolate. And they had your cheese. <laughs> yeah. I brought them in some samples. Well, that's right. It's like, I know those people. It was so much fun. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. And it was fun, too, to talk to uh, the owners of Gist because they are so familiar with your practice. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, It really does make a difference. That whole notion of 100% grass-fed really demands uh, a different kind of management. It does. Of yeah. the animals. You can't decide, oh, things look a little sparse out there. I think I'll just pull out a grain bucket. Right. That right, doesn't work. Right. It yeah. doesn't work. So that is, that's a huge, huge commitment. And it's really rare in, in dairy to have 100% grass-fed. Most of the cows have definitely been bred to thrive on grain. So I'm sure it's very similar in the beef side of things too but it is it is because even when I go looking for a bull um, 
I have to ask, is that a 100% grass-fed bull? Mm -hmm. That's something that's looking awfully good right now right. because he's been fed a whole lot of grain over the last four right. months. Yeah. And once I pull him on my pastures, is he going to thrive? Right, or right, not? right. And you see in the, the organic standards have recently um, changed so um, to state, and this is a recent change that um, that dairy cows have to be on pasture for a certain number of days per year. Um, it's pretty minimal, mm. um, and but now all of the organic dairy products say pasture raised, and I think that that's pretty confusing to the consumer who might not understand that that doesn't mean one hundred percent grass fed. That's it's right. definitely better than no access to pasture, not eating any grass. But the omega-3s of a 100% grass-fed cheese is similar to salmon. So That's it's right. very high, very good balance. So, Rainbow, what are your kind of your thoughts as you kind of move forward now? Um, well, I, I really just want to... Um, we might add a couple more cows for next season. Um, we need to find some more wholesale markets. That's kind of our going to be our focus. Um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to to do that work whenever you're so involved in the work of making the cheese and managing the CSA and things. So I think that it might be and waiting for the cheese to age. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I think that will be some good work for us to focus on in the fall and winter months. Now, is yours a seasonal operation, or are you going to be making cheeses all year long? No, we're we're seasonal. So the cows will be dried off um, probably, well, probably when there's snow and they can't graze anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, we there is some cheeses that I've made when the cows are just only eating hay and you can see this cheese is whiter and mm -hmm. that's from the cows where it only had hay at that point so it really does change the cheese so it really does well Rama, thank you so much yeah thank you if people want to find out more about your creamery where can they go um online we have um cosmicwheelcreamery.com or you can look at our uh, farm website turnuprock.com right. well thanks very much Rima. thank you visit my website bronxtobarn.com to download this and past interviews to learn about my farm and to reserve 100% grass fed beef we deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul Minnesota thanks